All right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you live from Spencer's studio in Las Vegas, located basically at the 95 and Jones Boulevard. And we will be here until they let us back into the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studios. Uh, that is due to COVID protocols still. I don't know if we'll ever get back in there, Spencer, but hopefully one day. Joining me on the show is social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. That is right. The Wiz has his own theme music. Also part of the show and social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. Um is our longtime show producer back with us now, um, hopefully to stay, Chris Magnum Chapman. Mags is also the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network, and Mags produces a number of other shows at Lotus Broadcasting as well. He is known all over the radio industry here in Las Vegas. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A. L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. The handle at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on tap brought to you by title sponsor Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company you can turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Now offering $2,500 free to everyone and anyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights are massive favorites to win their division in 2021 we'll talk about it the Raiders are 2-0 and and play their final preseason game today and to this point we have only seen one quarterback I want to know how many Jeopardy contestants in history would be able to answer the question who is Nathan Peterman I'm just saying a former NFL quarterback and probable future Hall of Famer is coaching high school football not even one year removed from the NFL. Who is he? Stick and stay, the host of Straight Out of Vegas on Fox Sports National Radio, Sirius Satellite Radio, iTunes, will be joining us to talk about his new book. And that, of course, is Bernie Fratto. And Giggy Maxwell, Media Relations Director of the Las Vegas Aces, will also be joining to tip off our newest segment. Find out what that is to today's show as well. Plus, the Las Vegas Aviators are the hottest team, Spencer, in Triple A baseball. Who would have thought that, that they might still be able to make a run at the postseason this year? Hey, that's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bay Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And again, right now, Residential Bay Corp is offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 towards closing costs for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing purchase program in the state of Nevada. Call 702 964 5700. 
2120 Residential Bank Corp for details. And Spencer, before we get into uh, Vegas Golden Knights and Nightcap, man, how are you? I appreciate you filling in last minute for me. You and Chris Wynn. Chris out there, if you're listening, greatly appreciate you, my friend. Um, always uh, happy to have people be able to fill in for you when you need a, a time off at the very last minute. Good show last week. It was a blessing. Yeah, I always appreciate the opportunity, so I appreciate that. And I thought the show went really well. Yeah, it always goes well, man. Uh, you guys take over, and um, you know, in here I'm back. You can see on Facebook once again why I was born with a face for the radio, and uh, here we go, man. So, uh, Mags, you back there in studio with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm here, man. All right, that man love having Mags back. Just the voice alone. We're not all three powwowing together like in the old days, but maybe one day we'll get back there. And I'm glad Max is back in uh, studio because I want to uh, ask him a question about when we get to our first segment, which is right now. Players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Real quick, before I jump right into this segment, I got to say I've been asked this by a number of people, so I want to just clear this up right here and now once and for all. Why do I start every show with the Vegas Golden Knights and Nightcap, even when we are completely out of hockey season. Let me answer that question real simply. Number one, they're the first major league professional franchise in the city of Las Vegas, let alone the state of Nevada. And number two, and more importantly, they have damn well earned it, man. Look at what they have done in their brief four-year history. Three conference finals. Uh, they should have gone to at least the second round in year two when they got screwed by the officials in game seven of the first round playoff series against the San Jose Sharks. And you know what? Until otherwise noted, they will always face off my show and uh, and face off this show because, again, they've earned it. Chris, listen, it's difficult to compare last year's performances to this year's because of the divisional alignment and unbalanced schedules, but of the teams in the Pacific Division this season, only one of them, the Edmonton Oilers, finished the 2021-22 season within 10 points of the Vegas Golden Knights point total. The next closest team, Calgary, was 27 points back. The Golden Knights not only have the best roster in the division, one that has been in the conference finals and semifinals in three of its first four years, as I just mentioned, um, and of course that includes this past season, uh, but the rest of the division is just all stuck in various levels of mediocrity rebuilding. Anaheim is stuck in neutral. Los Angeles has a bright future, but is probably not ready for that jump. Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton are total wild cards, and Seattle's an expansion team. It would be a shock, Chris Chapman, and major upset if Vegas does not win the division and win it easily this year, right? Yeah, they, they absolutely should win it. They should win it going away. They are, at least on paper, the best team in the division. I will say this, that obviously some changes. I think the loss of Alex Tuck until uh, February, at least, is going to to play a role. I think it'll make things a little interesting early on, but obviously getting him back is, is basically like acquiring a player at the trade deadline because it's going to jolt, put a jolt of energy in, in that team. I, I think Laurent Brassois is a really good signing. I think he's going to be a, a, a really solid backup. I mean, it, it's hard to look at what he did previously because he was never really on a good team. He's going to be playing with the best team he's ever had. So when Robert Leonard needs a spell, 
you know, I think Laurent Brassois will, will fill in well. Here's the thing. A lot of people were, were unhappy about the trade for Flurry. Look, look at this from a hockey standpoint. Robin Leonard is a very, very good goaltender. He is a number one goaltender. The numbers don't lie. It doesn't matter if he was playing in Buffalo, if he was in Chicago, here. He is an elite, very good goaltender. Maybe not top three or four in the league, but he's definitely a guy who can carry this team. So I don't think that losing Flurry is going to be that much of, of a detriment to this team going forward. What worries me is some of the depth that they have on the third line. And, of course, that's always been the issue here. It doesn't matter if it was year one or year two or today. The third line is always going to be a question mark until they prove that they are a legit third line. Not to say they can't be. I think this could be, and I say it every single year and every single year I've been wrong, but I think this is the year they finally have the third line figured out. I think Dodonov is going to add a tremendous amount to that third line. But going back to the original point, there is zero there, – there, you never want to say never because obviously in sports anything can happen. But this is a team on paper that should win this Pacific Division going away. I think the Vancouver Canucks will be their, their stiffest competition. Obviously, Edmonton's always a wild card because – you. You know you you know what you're getting with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. You don't know what you're getting with anyone else on that team. Calgary, I think, is is a mess. It seems they've been a mess for a couple of years. I think L.A. Young, hungry. I think they're going to go out and they're going to play really well this year. I think Los Angeles will be a contender for a playoff spot in the Pacific Division. And as you mentioned, Anaheim, they're stuck in in neutral. A lot of young players, but they're they're a long long way from competing in this division, especially when you have a team the caliber of the Golden Knights in that division with you. You lose the Arizona Coyotes, which is a shame because the Golden Knights have basically feasted on them since they came into the league. And you get the Seattle Kraken, who I think people are going to be fairly high on. I'm not so high on them. I think their their goalies are going to be really good. Uh, Obviously, with Grubauer and Drieger, I don't really know what else to expect from, from the Kraken. I think they had a better free agency period than they did a draft. But, you know, Ron Francis and company, they obviously have a plan. They knew, I'm not going to say they don't know what they're doing because I believe they do know what they're doing. I don't think their goal was to come in and compete year one. I think their goal was to build for the future, and it seems that that's what they're doing. But I don't think they're going to be a threat. I know some people are like, oh, they'll be a playoff team. I don't know. Let's bump the brakes on that. At the end of the day, it comes down to the Vegas Golden Knights. If they play to what we believe they are capable of, They'll win this division. As you mentioned, they they finished 10 points ahead of Edmonton last year. I think that's not unrealistic to think that they would finish 10 points ahead of the second-place team, especially when you get to play the San Jose Sharks four times a year, who Pete DeBoer has not lost to since he's been the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. They have absolutely owned the San Jose Sharks, who, of course, have their own turmoil, of course, with the Evander Kane stuff and uh, some some very high overpaid players on their on their roster no chris great points all the way around and you, you touched on about everything i was going to say i was going to say they need to shore up the third line the question is is you know the centerman position on that line i think they're looking to nolan patrick to 
be that centerman. But, hey, you know what? Peyton Krebs is an errant slap shot to the jaw away from being on the roster to start this season and still very well could be. I think that's a guy that we're going to see on the full-time roster series. only 20 years old. That injury, if not for the injury last year, you probably see Krebs in the postseason. So that was pretty surprising. And you talked about the depth at goaltender. Yeah, they lose Marc-Andre Fleury, but as you mentioned, uh, Robert, Robin Leonard and Laurent Broussel, tremendous tandem right there. I think getting him was a great... And don't sleep on Logan Thompson down there in uh, in Henderson because this guy last year was the, maybe the best goaltender in the AHL with a .919 save percentage and 2.33 goals against average. The guy is really good. There's no maybe about that. He 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 is the best. He 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 was the best goalie in the AHL last year, and I think I think he's probably going to be a year or two away from maybe being in the NHL. The, the goal right now is to get Logan Thompson playing time, and the best place for him to do that is in the AHL, not on the bench in the NHL. But man, what a story Logan Thompson was! I mean, he's a kid who played college hockey. Not a lot of NHL goalies play college hockey, but Logan Thompson, of course, he did get some action last year in one game, and he was on the roster a little bit. But, man, what a tremendous story he is. And Dylan Ferguson's probably going to be his backup in Henderson this year. He won the he won, he won won the Kelly Cup in the ECHL. He did, and it's pretty cool when you talk about Logan Thompson again um, because the situation is the Golden Knights have never made it through a season in their first four seasons with only two goaltenders. So very good chance you will see Logan Thompson getting some time with the Vegas Golden Knights at some point during the season. Some other good prospects, again, and we'll talk about them in the future. You know, Lucas Cormier, uh, Brandon Brisson, and and, uh, Ivan Morozov, that kid from Russia, looks like he'll be a good player down the road too. A lot of good prospects. And the funny thing is, the Golden Knights in their first four years, you would think you'd be talking about a lot of young players. They really haven't had to lean on any of their draft picks or any of the young players because they have so many grizzled seasoned veterans that they've either started this team with or traded for. And a couple of great prospects, as you mentioned, Alex Tuck, that was, you know, wasn't drafted by the Golden Knights originally, but got his NHL debut and start with the Golden Knights, as did Shea Theodore. And uh, those are two tremendous prospects down the road. This team looks like they're doing nothing but staying at the upper echelon of the National Hockey League, at least for the next couple of seasons. So should be an exciting year. Listen, let's move right forward and get going because I want to make sure we get Bernie on in time and uh, and keep the flow going here. So uh, the next segment, real quick, I wanted to talk about um, is – you know, the Raiders, uh, they, they they finish up their preseason today at 1 o'clock in San Francisco. They've won their first two preseason games, Spencer. Uh, the opener in Seattle, 20-17, to 17, where Peterman, Nathan Peterman, by the way, as we mentioned, uh, would not, nobody would get that on Jeopardy. Nobody would get it. Um, but he uh, played the entire game in both games. He went 29 for 39, 246, and no touchdowns in game one. He did have one errant interception. And then against the Rams last week, 16-20. Uh, Four hundred seventy-two yards, one TD, two interceptions, but he rushed for a team-high 35 yards, and John Gruden really likes this kid. He's not going to upseat either of the two guys in front of him in Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota, but um, Nathan Peterman, I will say before his first start of the first preseason game this year for the Raiders, I laughed whenever I heard his name because I remember that game of San Diego against Buffalo where, I mean, he 
I don't know that he could have gotten the starting role at Bishop Gorman. Not that that's a bad role, but he's in the NFL, and that's a high school football team. But Nathan Peterman, to me, looks like an NFL quarterback. Granted, a third-team NFL quarterback, but I think he's definitely earned his spot on the roster of the Los Angeles Ra- Las Vegas Raiders. All I can hope is that when I find my next relationship, that I can find a, like someone who supports me as much as John Gruden supports Nathan Peterman. I mean, what is, <laughs> that guy will, would go to the grave for him. So you got to appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, just quickly on the Raiders, like my general impression on the team is that they've gotten worse almost everywhere. They've gotten worse at offensive line. They've gotten worse at receiver. And I guess the slight upgrade is a defensive line. So they've had a you know a good preseason. Winning every game is fine. But overall, I feel like it's just not a good sign for the team. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, uh, Spencer, quarterback is definitely the biggest question mark on this team. People say the oh. offensive line. I'm saying question mark as far as the future of the Raiders because the bottom line is if Derek Carr does not produce this year and the team doesn't win, number one, I think at the end of the season you will see John Gruden on a hot seat. $10 million a year is a lot of money to play a coach, and Derek Carr is paid very well. I like him. He's great for the community. He is definitely a good person. But but as far as a quarterback goes, he, he reminds me of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. He's stuck in mediocrity. I don't see growth in him. You've been off his bandwagon since day one. I don't dislike him, and I think he's definitely an NFL quarterback. But I think this is the season you need to see an, a, a dramatic improvement from Derek Carr. And the offensive line, even though they use their top pick on an offensive lineman, I don't know if it's good enough to protect him this year to make him the player that they need him to be to go forward. Well, this is the way I think about it. You know, I am not Derek Carr's friend. I've criticized him. Yes, you want Marcus Mariota to start. I wouldn't. uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. (laughs) Certainly, I think if you got rid of Derek Carr's contract and you alleviate some of that financial pressure, they could use it defensively. Not that I trust Mayak with a single dollar of the team, but, you know, any normal GM, I think, would do well with that kind of money. But here's the thing. I mean, our top wide receiver had 400 yards receiving last year. What is Derek Carr supposed to improve with? I mean, if he doesn't have... He's got arguably one of the top three tight ends in football. I mean, at some point, like this guy, Darren Waller blocks on third downs most of the time. He does. And you have no faith in in Harry Ruggs. You never have. He was the worst wide receiver taken in the first Uh, round last year, and they had their pick of the litter. He still flies, and he he does make some big catches. He just needs to be consistent, Spencer. He has to be the wide receiver one. We're talking a huge step forward. I I agree. I I think that might be unfair of us to say that he needs to do that. The team just isn't in a good position right now. I think everybody's kind of fooling themselves, but, you know, who knows? Well, one of the positions they're really hurting in, and we'll leave it at this, is the linebacker position. They've been getting very depleted. And one linebacker I know we kind of favor here. I mean, we're homers. We live in Las Vegas. And it was really cool story to see Javen White initially make the practice squad last year. And then, of course, he graduated to the team. I think he played three games with the Raiders last season. And he really looked to be on the 53-man roster this year. I think he was going to make the team. He played really well against Seattle, led the team in tackles, got a stinger late in the game was playing well against the Rams last week and then got carted off the field with a knee injury, Spencer. Um, I still think Gruden wants him around. Jay, and what I noticed about Javen White, he's always had skinny legs and stuff, but he has definitely bulked up in one year. They have they have made this guy into a formidable size linebacker because at 6'2", 6'3", which he is, that has nice height to play on the inside at the linebacker position. I think he's a sandbacker for him. But you know, then to bulk up on top of it, he really looked to make the jump, and it looked like 
he was on his way to eventually being a starting NFL linebacker. Who would have thought that a couple of years ago, playing for one of the worst defenses in the here in Las Vegas? But Jaden White was a football player. Kaylin and I talked about it a bunch on the show. Weren't shocked that he made the practice squad last year. Um, you know, it was also a little bit of a homer move, good move by Gruden, some good local PR. But Javen White earned this position, and I'm sad for him right now. The linebackers of the Raiders, Spencer, how big and important is it going to be that they get healthier, figure out what they're going to do with that position uh, this season? I think they're going to be improved the defensive secondary. They picked up a, a season veteran 10 years in the league. That will help them, but I'm concerned about linebacking. Yeah, well, health is one thing. Whether or not they're good enough is another thing. I mean, they've spent a lot of money to get Corey Littleton there. Mayock loved so many guys from these Rams defenses that never translate very well. You know, Kiwitowski, I think his name is. He was decent, but just okay. <laughs> so if they're hurt and count, that's been a bigger issue. I think this defense is going to struggle mightily at the beginning of the season. I don't disagree with you real quickly. we got one minute to talk about the uh, five top rookie quarterbacks uh, that will come into the league in 2021. We know them all. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. Out of those five guys, uh, Spencer, who's going to start this year and who is going to shine the brightest? Well, the easy ones, obviously. You know, they, uh, the Jaguars actually just traded Gardner Minshew just to spell any sort of rumors or, you know, any sort of quell any uh, excitement. Anybody that was thinking that was a competition uh, is yeah, but clearly it was to them. Football team. is actually football. Okay. And it's not played with your hands. If you know what I'm talking Trevor about. Lawrence and Zach Wilson. I think the bears are just, they, they didn't want to leave him. Uh, Justin Fields out there to play against the Rams week one. They're going to let Andy Dalton get absolutely crushed a so week two. They can start their guy and he doesn't have to throw him to the hounds and Aaron Donald and all that. Uh, Trey Lance. It feels like one of those situations where, uh, you know, you had the Alex Smith, and then you had Colin Kaepernick right behind him. It feels that way, although I know Trey Lance has had some big plays, but he's been kind of inconsistent. He kind of runs a little too much for my liking, but no doubt that he's had a, a few good performances, a few good drives, something to look forward to. Although, if I was them, I'd start Jimmy Garoppolo for the season. You have this guy's entire career to mess with him in the season there. So, it's a huge jump from the level of football he was playing in college to the NFL. So I agree with you there. What about Mac Jones? Probably the biggest question mark because, you know, him and Cam Newton really are in a battle in, in New England for that starting job. I would have thought for sure that Cam Newton would have been a, more favored to be the starter for New England this year than than uh then I would say Andy Dalton would have been in Chicago. But now I'm starting to wonder because Cam Newton's just passing is not that accurate. We all know what he can do with his legs, but he's getting older. And Mac Jones is just a technician. He is a guy that absorbs football. And I'll bet out of all five of those guys, his football IQ is right up there with the, with the best of them. No doubt. I mean, he got that hype to be the number four pick in this year's draft. And I think Kyle Shanahan was really thinking about it too, but he may have gotten overstepped by the GM at some point. And they're like, no, nah, we need the guy who's a little more exciting. Mac Jones has been impressive, but Cam Newton's had a good preseason too. Recently, Cam Newton had to enter some COVID protocols because he didn't understand what it was and go into quarantine. The NFL is all about opportunity, as we know. And Mac Jones hasn't done things to make him deserve to be the second you know position on that team he will start at some point this season i just think cam newton is just not built for the longevity of a long season anymore he's just getting older and up there and again like you said inaccurate mac jones is that shiny new toy too well i'll tell you this we're gonna leave it at this like we said who would have the most success out of the five of them this year 
Um, I think the obvious choice would still be Trevor Lawrence because, you know, there's no question he is the, the he is the, the next guy in Jacksonville for however many years he stays healthy, plays well. But I'm going to go out on a little bit of limb. I really like what I've seen from Zach Wilson in New York. He's also the clear-cut guy there. And I think statistically, I know Mags is going to like hearing this because we all thought maybe that they gave up on Sam Darnold too quickly. And he looks like he's going to make a little mark in Carolina. But I think Zach Wilson statistically is going to have the best season out of the five of them this year. I mean, what about Justin Fields? I mean, that's a, that could be a playoff team this year that we're talking about. Yeah, but he might not start till game three. At that point, I mean, Jacksonville is going to be terrible. Don't talk to me about the Bears. I can't talk to them. The Jets will be bad, too. Bad too. The Jets will be bad, too. But I think Zach Wilson will give you some statistics. I really like the way this guy throws the football. I think Zach Wilson's going to be better than Trevor Lawrence only because of the situation. You look at Urban Meyer. I don't think he's going to be a good coach in the NFL. He just seems too college for the NFL. I, I don't see that working. Lawrence, obviously, he has to he has to maybe adjust a little bit to the NFL as opposed to playing at Clemson, and he's not playing Wake Forest and uh, Georgia Tech every week. I'm not saying that the competition Zach Wilson faced playing at BYU was any better than than that, but you know the reality is I think Zach Wilson was was built to be a passer, whereas Trevor Lawrence is a better athlete, and I just don't think that that Urban Meyer is going to help. Trevor Lawrence in the way that I feel like the Jets and and that situation will be better for Zach Wilson. Well, I uh, Mags, like I said, I do agree with you this year. I think Trevor Lawrence will be a, a star in the NFL eventually. He has all the tools, and I haven't seen a quarterback, and we've been talking about him since he was a freshman at, at uh, Clemson and won a national championship. But I really like, as I said, Zach Wilson throws the ball well. He seems to have all the maneuvers. And listen, we've got one minute before we're bringing on Bernie Fratto, so I want to jump right to fact this and get this out of the way because this is kind of a good one. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. The process is the best. I mean, Thursday and Friday nights are fun, but it's the process is the best. It's the, it's the, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays and figuring out practice and thunderstorms and <laughs> that are coming up every stinking afternoon. You're figuring out if you're going in the gym, you're walking through, wading in mud out there. Um, but it's the process that makes it awesome. And, it, and, it, and tonight was special. I mean, shoot, I'm looking over and Dad's standing on the track and Mom's in the stands. My boys are spotting the ball. My brother's here coaching. It's like, man, this is coming, you know, our, our nephews and daughters are running around. I mean, it's, uh, nieces, it's, uh, it's, it, was, it was that kind of night, you know. Uh, fact. Former quarterback Philip Rivers is eighth all time with 134 regular season NFL wins, wins, and eight and an eight-time Pro Bowler, um, and is now one and zero as a high school football coach in his native Alabama, coaching for Saint Michael Catholic, the Cardinals. This after six. 16 seasons with the Chargers and one with the Indianapolis Colts has made me absolutely baffled. It does. It has me baffled, Spencer. I understand that his father was a high school football coach. He has a wife, nine kids, that's seven daughters and two sons. Stay home with your family. He has no kids on the team. Yes, his brother coaches with him, but 
Do you have any idea how demanding it is to even be a high school football coach in today's day and age? I mean, he can't just do this half-assed. It's a full-time gig. And he's even mentioned that he hasn't given up on his NFL career yet. I'm not going to go into this because I want to bring Bernie Fratto on and, and get and talk to Bernie about this great book he, he just finished not too long ago. But I am astonished, Philip Rivers, with the family man that he is a great spokesman for the NFL. I'm an ambassador, probably a Hall of Famer. What are you doing coaching high school football? I understand when your kid's on the team. Like like Mike Maddox was coaching UNLV when his son was playing for him. He's not there anymore. I mean, what the hell is Phillip Rivers doing? It's a great, admirable thing. He doesn't need the money. Does he not like being with his family? Too many kids running around the house. I honestly have no clue what Phillip Rivers is thinking coaching high school football. You don't need to do follow the legacy of your dad. You played in the NFL for 17 years. Enough is enough, Phillip. Spend some time with your family unless you get a call to go back to the National Football League. That's it. Let's move on. Joining us on the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line um, is Bernie Fratto. Uh, Bernie Fratto, of course, if, if you haven't heard his show on Saturday nights on Fox Sports Radio National, Actually, Sirius Satellite Radio, iHeartRadio. This guy's amazing. Um, 11 o'clock every Saturday night, and he's gracious enough to join us today after being on the air last night. Bernie recently uh, published a book, The View from the Cheat Seats. I have read the intro, the foreword, and, of course, the letter that Dick Schaap sent Ber- Bernie Fratto a few years back. Um, and he has that in the book as well, which really does explain who Bernie Fratto is. Bernie, I really appreciate taking the time to join the show this morning. I know you got off the air late night, uh, or I should say early this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, good to be here. And I would the book has been out actually since July 5th, and I'm shocked it's done a lot better than I ever hoped it could have. Bernie, I'm not shocked at all. The intro starts. You can relate to it immediately. Um, If you're over the age of about 35, instantaneously, you remember uh, where you were when the famous Bronco of Al Collins was driving down the road with O.J. Simpson in it. I myself will never forget. I was in downtown Pontiac because also the World Cup was in town at the Pontiac Silverdome, and I was capitalizing on an opportunity, uh, a venture there, and we were all standing at a bar television in amazement. Bernie, of course, at Tiger Stadium, making his media debut, something I hadn't known about, uh, and you've told me so many stories I didn't know about that, and it even goes farther in the story, talking about the press box announcer and who he was. Tell a little bit about that story because you started the book with it. Yeah, let me back up just a second, because the reason I ended up uh, putting this book, it's a compilation of stories going back forever. I've always been a sucker for a good story. I think most of us are. There's a saying, there's an old saying, give me a fact and I'll learn it. Tell me the truth and I'll believe it. But share a good story that lives in my heart the rest of my life. And as Tip O'Neill once said, if these stories have the added value of being true, that's even better. Now, we we all, we all you know, we enjoy the games. We agree the game results and the box scores are important, but it's always the backstory that gives sports depth and texture. You hear the results of the game, but you feel the stories. So June 17, 1994 was the first day I ever had a credential. The Tigers were playing the Toronto Blue Jays, the old Tiger Stadium. And back then in the press box, that was the first year uh, that they installed monitors so you could watch the game. Uh, while the game's going on. They, that was the first year they ever did that. And Brian, you know, because all the press boxes you've been in, you see the monitors up, up there and, and the game is going on. But they weren't showing the game that night. They were showing the Bronco chase. Now, there was no sound. We had no idea literally what was going on. And all of a sudden, 
a picture of an LAPD uh, police chief appears on the screen, David Gascon, and you you can't read his lips. You can't read what you can't tell what he's saying. So I had to wait till I got home that night about one o'clock and rewatched it. It's now become an iconic video where David Gascon is telling America from Tom Brokaw that O.J. Simpson is a fugitive from justice. That formed the basis for the first story in the opening of the book, basically because fast forward the circle of life, 2018, I joined Fox Sports Radio. I'm on my three-year anniversary. And who's one of our producers? David Gascon. He is the son of the David Gascon we saw on TV that night back in 1994 talking about the OJ chase. And it's the circle of life and stories like that that are never ending. And that's exactly what this book is about. Stories that entertain people, that provoke thought, that inform. In some cases, they arouse emotion. In most cases, they'll make you laugh. But they're all true, and they have to do with people in the sports world that you hear about, but they have normal lives every day, too. And there are a lot of stories behind the scenes that take place that, uh, as I say in the book, you've never heard of, but that you'll never forget. No, Bernie, and, and I had the I had the pleasure and honor of working with Bernie Fatto uh, years ago here at uh, Fox Sports, uh, where we got to do you did a show called Inside the Fratto House, and it was a podcast that you did, and they played it every uh, Saturday morning, and I got to go in there with Bernie. And what I love more than anything about that that time, Bernie, was how much I learned from you, not just uh, the stories you told, but about bettering myself and, and, and stuff. And I greatly appreciate that, but I, I always look forward to going there with Bernie. We do it on like a Thursday and it would air on Saturdays. And whether it was about the national anthem or we were, we were having discussion of whether Tiger Woods was going to check, catch Jack Nicholas major uh, accomplishments. It was always just great, but it was always a different story with Bernie each week. And they were always fantastic. The forward of your book, you attribute the book or you dedicate it to a friend of yours and a mentor of yours, Dick Schapp. And Dick Schapp, one of the greatest storytellers of all time, Bernie. And you do remind me of him in that respect that, you know, Dick had a ton of stories that you just were very compelling. And you've got the same ones, Bernie, in this book. Uh, you know, like I said, I've read the intro. I've read the forward and I'm getting ready to start reading the book. It starts with chapter one called The Only Real Dream Team, which is going to surprise you right off the get go, because I'll bet the people here the dream team and they start thinking of the 90s. Bernie's talking about way before any of our time. But how much did Dick Schapp, you know, what he did and your your relationship with him motivate you to write this book? Tremendously, because I graduated from college with a degree in communications, journalism, and public relations, but I didn't have the awareness or consciousness or or maturity to know I really wanted to go into uh, to to the sports media business. I'm a failed minor league baseball player, and I was poor, so I wanted to make money, so I went into the corporate world. But I was a huge sports fan, and I was always talking sports with people and telling stories and. Brian, you remember back in the day, ESPN had that great show, The Sports Reporters, with Dick Schapp. And, you know, you had the great panels with, you know, Mitch Alb and Tony Kornheiser. And every Sunday morning, it was a half an hour show. They would talk about the latest sports uh, topics. And uh, the at the end of the show, they would do a thing called parting shots, which they still have a derivative of today. My friend Jeremy Schapp, still friends with him to this day. They do a show on Saturday mornings called OTL, and they do some parting shots. And I said, I want to write those. I want to tell those stories. I think I could do that. I literally picked up the phone and called Dick Schapp. This is around 1990. And he said, why not start faxing them to me? And I started faxing them to him, and he used them. We became friends. One thing led to another. The thing I learned from Schapp was he he never had a favorite team. His favorite sport was people. 
And he, he was he was always very open about that. And he always said he doesn't root for a team. He roots for the story and his favorite sport is people. So I'm always looking for those stories, either whether it's in the, you know, in the heat of action or away from the scenes. Remember, Brian, we did a lot of Rebel Extra shows, too, the post-game show for UNLV basketball. And you were doing it with me we're during those turbulent times where people wanted to fire Dave Rice. I remember saying, if you fire him in midseason, you're going to set the program back five years. Well, they fired him in January of 16. Here we are in 2021. It's one of those deals you hate when you're right. But the bottom line is, hanging around him and mentoring with him and in, in, over the better part of a little over a decade, because he died in December of 2001, um, I got to correspond on a lot of projects, ghostwrite a lot of projects, come up with creative ideas. I was a part of the ESPN 50 for 50 or, or 50, top 50 athletes in 1999. I basically wrote the Gordie Howe piece. So Dick really opened the door for me. He'd come on my show. He'd have me on his show. And I learned from him the way to package a message in a way that resonates. For instance, and Dick knew a lot of people. I mean, his book, he was going to call it name dropping. It's called Flashy Before My Eyes. All he does is tell stories. Well, once he, I'll give you a quick sample of the type of story that's in the book, Brian. So Don Shula, the winningest football coach of all time in the NFL, he's human too, right? So one day, him and his wife and his five kids, they're up vacationing in uh, upstate New York. And they say, why don't we take in a matinee movie today? And, they go, and the family says, sure. So they head into this movie theater in the middle of nowhere in the afternoon. And as they walk in and enter the theater, there's only three people in, inside the entire movie theater. And they're all sitting down front. And as soon as the Shula clan walks in the door, the three people turn around and stand up and start clapping. Shula's wife, Dorothy, looks at him and says, well, look at that, Don. See, no matter where you go, you're famous. Everybody loves you. These people must be big Dolphins fans. And the guy down front says, lady... We don't have any idea who the hell your husband is. All we know is the theater will not start this movie until there's at least 10 people in attendance. <laughs> I love that story, Bernie. You've told me that one before, and it's fantastic. And there's so many stories like that. We are talking to Bernie Fratto. He is the host of Straight Out of Vegas. You can hear that on Fox Sports Radio nationally every Saturday night from 11 o'clock to 3 in the morning. Sirius Satellite Radio, iHeart Radio. And, Bernie, it's so great that finally you are getting the recognition that I've always thought you should have here in Vegas. It's funny. The extremes Bernie has gone to to try to get his stories you know, talked about on the radio or him, it, it, it's unbelievable. And I've sat here from day one and said, this is the best guy in Las Vegas. And I'm not blowing smoke up Bernie's backside. He knows that I feel that way. Love listening to his stories. And you've helped, as I mentioned, you've helped me out so much with just the way that I present things and the way that I do things, learning from as, as good of a pro. And again, Bernie Fratto, the book is called The View from the Cheat Seats. I don't need to ask Bernie where he got the name from. That was his very first show ever in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He produced it. He developed it. He designed it. He came up with the name of it. And, uh, and of course, now you get to use that in your first ever book available at Amazon.com, Barnes and Nobles, and pretty much any place you can get books, you'll find this. It is such a good read. And Bernie, I love the way you talk about it in the foreword saying it's the perfect book to buy. And it's funny because, ironically, I've been to Costa Rica about three times this year. I wish I'd have had the book with me because it is the perfect book to read, a story when you're flying on the plane, when you've got a little bit of extra time. These are great stories. They're compelling. They're entertaining. 
entertaining. In most of the cases, they're comical. Uh, Bernie, what's what's coming up down the road for you? It's great to see you doing the national show now. When I'm up that late on Saturdays, I listen. I usually get a little bit of sleep before the show. But what's next for Bernie Fratto? Well, I got a bit of a promotion at Fox. In addition to doing Straight Out of Vegas, which airs Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific to noon, or check that, to midnight. And syndicated on 360 stations nationally. You can hear it on iHeartRadio, Sirius XM 83. The last several weeks, and now it's permanent. I'll be going to all the way through to 3 a.m. every day Pacific, or every every Saturday, excuse me. So I sign on at 11 p.m. in the first hour, straight out of Vegas. And from midnight to 3, it becomes Fox Sports Sunday. Okay. And then uh, I'm also getting an, an opportunity to... Uh, to fill in on other shows, most notably Fox Sports Sunday night, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. I've been on that like eight of the last 10 Sundays. So they're, I'm using them, uh, are, I'm allowing them to use me wherever they need me, and I'm not turning down any work. And uh, fortunately, it's working out well and, and building a you know following. Uh, Bernie, I love it. And uh, thank you for writing the book that you wrote. Again, it is called um, Great Book, The View from the Cheap Seats. As I said, I've read the introduction forward. By the next time we have you on the show, I will have it completely read from cover to cover. Looking very forward to it. I know some of the stories I've heard, but some of them I haven't. And like like I said, it kicks off with the very first chapter uh, about the real dream team. And I'm not going to give anything away on that because I kind of read a little bit of that and I was definitely surprised I had no idea and it's really it's really cool uh bernie thank you so much as always for joining the show and one of the things bernie taught me a long time ago on the show he said you know no matter how well you know your guest you, and, and and there's a couple of other shows that bernie has pointed out that you don't refer to your guest as friend and hey what's going on my friend and this that and the other so i don't do that i did that at the very beginning i didn't know any better bernie taught me how tacky it was but bernie you are truly my friend off on and off the air and i appreciate everything you do on sports radio your stories are great and keep doing what you're doing my friend i'll be listening every chance i get right back at you brian and uh, as far as i'm concerned you can be my agent (laughs) (laughs) i love it that is bernie frato once again straight out of vegas 10 to uh, 10 to midnight on or excuse me 11 to midnight on fox sports national sirius xm iheart radio and then he's on from 12 to 3 after that don't miss this guy. I promise if you haven't heard Bernie, uh, once you do, you won't miss him anymore. Thanks again, Bernie. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Again, once again, that is Bernie Fratto. And let's move right over. Is Giggy with us? He's ready to rock and roll. Well, um, an- another professional sports team. Uh, in Las Vegas and uh, a very successful one. And I have a feeling they might be actually the first professional sports franchise to bring a championship to Las Vegas. It is the Las Vegas Aces featuring five Olympians, actually should be six um, if Liz Cambage plays for Australia, which she would have had she been able to. So um, every time you go watch them play at the Mandalay Event Center, which now has a different name and I should get it right, uh, Giggy will help me out with that one. But um, you see six six Olympians in every game, and it's pretty cool. They are very talented. Asia Wilson, who we knew when the Aces initially got her, that uh, this was going to probably be a future face of the WNBA. Well, she's right there now, one of the best players in the league, as dynamic of a speaker as there is, and what an ambassador for the WNBA, who lost their true ambassador last year with uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant, which is one of the biggest tragedies in probably the last 50 years in this country. And, um, you know, that was a big shot shot 
to the WNBA to lose a, a great spokesman like that. But uh, the WNBA moves on, and uh, the Las Vegas Aces, one of the best teams. Matter of fact, a game, a, a one game back of being the best team in the entire league. Uh, John Giggy Maxwell is the director of media relations, gracious enough to join the show. And John, I I'm not looking at Facebook Live right now, but I hope you're wearing one of your famous pairs of socks because uh, every game last year, now I got to sit way up in the in the nosebleeds because of COVID. But every game I would love seeing Giggy always had a pair of socks on that would surprise us. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, good to see you again. It's been a while and we're just now starting to move you guys back down to court side. So hopefully during the playoff run here, we can get you back down there and you can see the socks in person. But unfortunately, not a game day. So I'm just wearing my Typical Nike sponsored socks. Nothing fancy okay. today. <laughs> right. That's okay. Well, Giggy, I got to start showing you my collection because you've inspired me. And I do that at my regular office and I'm always lifting up my socks. And truly, that was from you because I got a kick out of it every game. But listen, we've got a new segment coming up as I kind of texted you with you yesterday. It is going to be called Aces Up. We are going to start it during the playoff run this year. Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky, who is a huge WNBA fan, he educates me on it, is going to be hosting the segment on this show every week we're looking very forward to it and people ask well you know it's the wnba this that, and the other i got asked the other day why are you going after a sponsor segment you know what just like the vegas golden knights have earned a segment on my show so have the las vegas aces who have been nothing but entertaining they've been a great plug to this community every year one player usually stays back from europe to be a spokesman they have done just a tremendous job giggy it's exciting basketball and now you've got the second Second coach in WNBA history to chalk up 300 wins in Bill Lambeer. Pretty cool stuff, John. Yeah, not only uh, are we one of the best teams, uh, Bill and our general manager, Dan Padover, have, have built an incredible roster, as you already mentioned, with half the team being made up of Olympians and Angel McCautry. Had she not been injured this year, had a good shot at going for her third gold. Uh, but it's also one of the more interesting teams in the league when you've got somebody like Bill at the helm. Uh, it's always going to be uh, entertaining. Asia Wilson, if you follow any of our players, Liz Cambay, Chelsea Gray, on uh, on social media, they're a tremendously fun group. But when they get into the gym, it's all about business. And that's one of the things that Bill's always preached is we're not going to stay in the gym for three hours practicing all the time. We're going to go in for an hour and a half. We're going to get our work done and get out of there. But we're going to do our work. And so far this year, the Aces have have done their work well, as you mentioned, a game out of first place in Connecticut, but it's a, uh, it's going to be a dogfight down the stretch. There's three teams fighting for those top two spots, which are incredibly important uh, in the WNBA playoff system as you get an automatic buy into the semifinals. And then the first two rounds are one game situations. So if you're the third or fourth seed this year, you could uh, be a 23-24 win team and be that three seed. And all you're getting is one home game and a one game playoff. And you want to try and avoid that at all costs. So hoping to win some games down the stretch here. We've got a couple more home games left. And we're actually now selling tickets to those games to, for individual ticket buyers. It's been mostly season ticket members throughout the year. But if you want to come out and see us, just go to our LasVegasAces.com and click on the ticket link. Exciting basketball, and you guys finally climbed over top of the Seattle Storm. I wouldn't say your nemesis because the Aces have actually played them very well this season. One of the teams that seems, I don't want to say having their number, but you just play well. The Aces match up well against them, but the truth is the Las Vegas Aces match up well against anybody. Now you've got the Sun uh, with the best record at 20-6. and Six. The Aces will have a chance Thursday night is their next game. They are playing at home, and uh, that's 
Chicago comes to town on Thursday night. But Giggy, as you mentioned, really important to get one of those first couple seeds. I think, you know, it's to the point this year that even though Seattle is very strong, uh, the Sun are very strong, you know, uh, the Lynx can still get things done and so can the Mercury. But I think this is the year the expectation surely of Bill Lambeer and the players, at least of the aces expect this to be their year to win the whole thing. And I've said many times, it's funny because a lot of people say, well, man, the Vegas golden Knights are going to be the first professional team to bring a championship to Las Vegas. I've disagreed with that emphatically. I think it's the Las Vegas aces. that are going to bring the first professional championship to Las Vegas. Uh, One of the best things about being in Las Vegas uh, has been, how all the other teams are supportive of one another. And that predates sort of Mark Davis, obviously being our owner now and also the owner of the Raiders, uh, the, whether it's uh, the baseball team, the soccer team, uh, hockey, everyone has, has really been, uh, been in all this together. So as supportive as we've all been, whoever brings it home, I think we're all going to be there for them. It's going to be a tremendous parade down the strip for whoever wins it. But uh, to your point, we have the talent to, to win the championship the, this year. It's funny. You look at last year where we made the finals but lost to Seattle. We've only got one starter back in our lineup from that team, Asia Wilson. Uh, Kelsey Plum back from injury, won gold. Uh, Liz Cambage back after sitting out the year. So added Chelsea Gray. The, the, the talent is all there, but uh, only 12 teams in the WNBA, one of the toughest leagues to get a job in, and everybody is fairly loaded, particularly those top six seeds Uh, As you look at the standings, there's so much talent on those teams, which is why it's so important to avoid those one-game playoffs. I'll take Bill Lambeer in a three-out-of-five series uh, any day. He he makes better adjustments than I think most coaches uh, after a loss, particularly in the postseason. Won a championship with him, was fortunate enough in 2006 when we were in Detroit to do it, beating Sacramento, and we were down 2-1 and had to win the last two games to get the title. So I've seen him do it. Uh, He's a great motivator at that time of year. Uh, and we've got the horses, so let's just go ahead and go get it done. But obviously the Las Vegas fans have, have been an added boost for, for all of our professional sports teams, what they've done over at BGK Games. And uh, if you were at our game at UNLV two years ago in the playoffs when we beat Chicago in the one-game playoff, I mean, that's that's what a crowd can do. And I think Las Vegas fans are primed for a championship. They're thirsty for it, and uh, we're hoping to give it to them. I would like to see it. I think everyone here would like to see that. And no question, Bill Lambeer um, is a motivator. And guy, the guy commands respect. I mean, two-time NBA champion, former NBA rebound leader, former NBA all-star. And on top of that, he's almost seven feet tall, so he's intimidating as hell, too. And uh, he really brings it every night. You can see his passion out there on the floor. And hopefully uh, we'll get Giggy to get him on the show again soon and be able to congratulate him on his 300th win. Uh, and, and they have 300 wins in the WNBA, only the second guy to do that. Really, really, really impressive. And Giggy, I'm going to ask you two questions. You can answer them back to back. Um, One, I mentioned it briefly, the loss of Kobe Bryant. How much does the loss of Kobe Bryant affect and has it affected the WNBA? Because I don't know that there was a bigger spokesman or more notable spokesman than Kobe Bryant was for the WNBA. And secondly, you brought up Mark Davis being now owner of of the Las Vegas Aces, as well as obviously the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. But what has that meant to this franchise and to the WNBA getting an owner like Mark Davis involved? Yeah, I mean, the Kobe Bryant loss was obviously not just huge for the WNBA, but huge for the sports landscape and and beyond. Uh, he was such a proponent of 
our game, having daughters who played the game, uh, having him courtside at our games, LA games, uh, just shown a, a light on the on the league that I think a lot of NBA players, quite frankly, do. But when it's Kobe Bryant, when it's LeBron James, it's uh, it, it's just a little bit of a bigger deal. So having having those players uh, be supportive and and recognizing the the talent level that is in the WNBA, you hope it it encourages some people who are fans of the NBA game to switch the channel over to a WNBA game and and check it out. It's obviously a different game. It's played below the rim for the most part, although we do have some players who can dunk and have dunked even this year. But uh, it's it's sort of a game that you probably played or more of a collegiate game that uh, that I think basketball purists appreciate. And Kobe was nothing if not a, a student of the game. So tremendous loss, um, but his his energy is still felt around the league in, in many ways and those of his daughters as well, especially Gigi to Mark Davis. I mean, you couldn't ask for a more motivated owner um, than Mark. The, the biggest thing that he's done, I think that, uh, or maybe the most surprising because no other team has done it has been the outreach to our alumni. Even though we've only been here four years in Las Vegas, the franchise actually dates back to the Utah stars, uh, the original WNBA had eight teams. Utah was one of those original eight and then went to San Antonio before coming to Las Vegas. And he has, at his expense, uh, the team's expense, brought those players, whether you played one minute or 400 games for this franchise, he wants you to know that you are a part of this franchise forever. It's something the Raiders uh, were the first team in the NFL to do, and they've done tremendously well. And it just creates a bond, a collegiate bond in many ways. Uh, that most franchises don't have. We're still a young league, and there's a number of teams that folded or moved throughout the course of the early days of the WNBA. There are players out there. I worked with the Charlotte Sting. Charlotte Sting doesn't exist anymore. There's players out there who are sort of orphaned from the league because their franchise doesn't exist. And Mark is reaching out to, uh, to all of our players to make sure they know you were a part of this. You helped build this, and we want to honor you. And make sure that you're a part of this uh, this success of this franchise because if and when we win a WNBA championship, it's been built on the backs of everybody who came before us, and it's been fun to watch that celebrated. In, in addition, obviously, uh, the Raiders' mantra: "Just win, baby." I mean, that's that's what it's all about. He wants to treat the players as well as we are legally allowed to uh, by the WNBA collective bargaining agreement. He wants to push that envelope to make sure that the players are well taken care of and you couldn't ask for more uh, than that in an owner. Uh, and he, he deeply cares about the fan experience as well. Our season ticket members did not have to pay for a single ticket this year during the regular season. Their tickets were gifted to them this season uh, as a reward for sticking with us through the COVID outbreaks. So couldn't, couldn't ask for more out of an owner and we're looking forward to having a new uh, practice facility built down in Henderson by the Raiders facility here uh, coming up in 2022 and all that all of that's going to bring us and like you said hopefully a championship parade and we can bring that trophy out to Allegiant Stadium in front of a crowd of 60 some odd thousand people and celebrate it with the city we appreciate you and uh yeah pretty cool the free tickets last year was awesome he is john giggy maxwell director of media relations for the las vegas aces if you see him on the sideline check out his socks this is the new segment aces up it'll be every week throughout the rest of this season in the playoffs and then next season all season long J J giggy as always greatly appreciate your next game thursday night at mandalay bay against the chicago sky be there we appreciate you my friend 
My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you later. Absolutely. That was Giggy Maxwell. Listen, we're almost out of time, or we are out of time. I just want to say the Las Vegas Aviators, I mentioned, have won eight straight 11 of the last 12 games. They got nine more games on the road before returning home to the Las Vegas ballpark against Reno on September 9th. Check them out as they make a push for the playoffs. We are out of time. Little League World Series Championship American game goes on today at noon between Ohio and Michigan. First time ever two teams from the same region are playing for the American League Championship. Listen, we are out of time. I want to thank Bernie Fratto, John Gigi Maxwell, of course, my co-host, social media director, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, and back in studio, Chris Magnum Chapman. Appreciate y'all.